Sunday night football. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's lost. Mills got a trace. And there is your dagger. You are now listening to NFL Picks with Gabe. Week 7, It's an Everything Burrito production as always. Uh, Welcome in. We're so glad to have you. We're going to talk some football. We want to briefly recap last week. How did we do? Uh, Well, again, we killed it straight up. Yeah, we killed it straight up. We really want to focus on that uh, because we went 11-3 straight up on our picks. Well, that's fantastic. How did we do against the spread, you want to ask? Well, uh, we broke even seven and seven. Um, this has been almost a consistent thing. We've just been grinding them out, trying to break even or playing one game above or whatever. So for the season, we're 39 and 35 against the spread. We're 55, 18 and one straight up. Um, we're, we're just going to keep trying to get better. Um, so some, some unpredictable things happen. That's, that's what happens in the NFL, but we're looking to get better. So this week I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling good about these picks. Um, I'm recording this on a Thursday. Some of these injury situations are still developing. So we're going to get to some of those things as well. Um, so our, our opening game that we want to talk about is Carolina at New Orleans. Um, so Carolina's had a surprising season. Uh, led by Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater's played uh, excellent football so far, and he's got some excellent outside receivers with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. And Mike Davis has filled in very well for the injured Christian McCaffrey. However, uh, Mike Davis is nicked up. And you might say, well, there goes Carolina's chances. Not so fast, because Christian McCaffrey could be active for this game. We don't know. So that leaves a giant question mark over that game. And speaking of giant question marks, uh, for the Saints, is Drew Brees done? Everybody's been talking about this. Brees is done. Brees is done. You know what? Brees has gotten by in the NFL for like 20 years with a pretty subpar arm. He's never had a great arm. He's never been one of these quarterbacks that overpowers you with his throwing power. He always does it through his accuracy, his short range game, and really just uh, playing in a cerebral way, uh, outsmarting the defense. That's Drew Brees' game. So here he draws a fairly favorable matchup, and the good news for Brees is Michael Thomas is definitely back in this game. Now, Thomas was injured before, then he got into a fight, he was suspended by the team, lots of drama, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? He's back for this one. So that means that the Saints are going to have their best offensive weapon outside of Alvin Kamara back in this game. And obviously Kamara is a good go-to. And so the the Saints are going to move the ball and they're going to play well. Uh, Carolina's played scrappy defense, but they're not the same unit that they were last year when they had Luke Kuechly. So New Orleans is going to put up some points. I'm going to go uh, New Orleans uh, to put up 31 points here. But I'm going to say Carolina can still score some points too. I'm hoping to see Christian McCaffrey back in the lineup. If that's not the case, that probably changes my outlook on this game. Um, but I'm going to say he he comes back and he helps Carolina to steady their offense. And so I'm picking New Orleans to win 31-28. So I'm picking Carolina to cover that 7.5 point spread. Hopefully McCaffrey's back and that's a fun game to watch, a competitive game to watch. Looking forward to that. 
in not so competitive news. Uh, we're talking about the New York Jets. So Buffalo at the New York Jets. The Jets this year um, have not once covered the spread. In fact, they've lost by double-digit points in every single game they've played, uh, except for a game against um, the Denver Broncos when Brett Rippon was making his first NFL start, and they still lost by nine in that one. So this team is truly abysmal, and their head coach, Adam Gase, is a total buffoon who needs to be fired like ASAP. And people will talk on and on about this one. They'll say, well, is Sam Darnold starting because that makes a big impact? You know what? It doesn't matter if it's Joe Flacco. It doesn't matter if it's Sam Darnold. This Jets team is awful, and they just jettisoned Le'Veon Bell last week uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs. And so, really, they've got nothing on offense outside of maybe Jamison Crowder. Um, Brashad Perriman's okay, but he, he really he can't make plays when he doesn't have uh, the offensive line to set him up, the running game to set him up. Um, this team is a mess, and they're a mess on both sides of the ball. Then you look over to the Bills. Uh, the Bills have had some tough matchups this year, and they've still managed to uh, do fairly well. Um, last week they had the Chiefs, and the Chiefs handled them pretty good, but that's the Chiefs, okay? So I think the Bills are a very good team. Josh Allen is looking like a great quarterback. I know uh, Troy Aikman would not agree with that because his broadcast last week, he couldn't stop picking apart Josh Allen. But here's the thing about that game against Kansas City. There was terrible weather conditions. You know what? Mahomes managed to throw the ball fairly well, uh, but that was near miraculous. I don't blame Josh Allen for not being able to uh, throw the ball with accuracy under those conditions. Here's the basic point. The Bills with Josh Allen his burgeoning connection with Stefan Diggs, and a nasty defense there, a defensive line that's that's young, talented. They're going to overwhelm the Jets. The Jets have lost by double-digit points just about every week, never failed to uh, uh, fail. <laughs> they've, they've failed every time to cover the spread. That's what I'm saying. So at this point, the Buffalo is favored by 12.5 points. I mean, I, I feel laid back. I feel comfortable taking uh, 12 and a half points uh, for the Buffalo Bills here. And I'm going to call for the Bills to win this one 35 to 7 over the hapless Jets. Uh, that's an easy pick. Speaking of easy picks, here's a game that's not easy. The undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers at the undefeated Tennessee Titans. Titans are looking great. They're looking great, but they lost their left tackle, Taylor Lewin, for the year. Uh, the Steelers are looking great, but they lost their star, young, inside linebacker, Devin Bush, for the year. Okay, so two teams dealing with injuries. I get that. Last week, you saw the Steelers roll it up on the Cleveland Browns. The Steelers' defense is playing excellent, but, you know, King Henry's coming to town, right? Derrick Henry has been running the ball with a fierceness that has not been seen since prime Adrian Peterson. This guy is unbelievable to watch. And Ryan Tannehill's coming into his own. A lot of that has to do with some solid targets. A.J. Brown back in the fold. And he's making Tannehill look good, as well as the play-action game is making Tannehill look good. 
But again, this Steelers defense is very, very good. You got Minka Fitzpatrick there in the back end. You got Joe Hayden and Mike Hilton. And you got these rushers off the edge with Bud Dupree and TJ Watt ready to tee off. And this is a strength on strength game. You know what? I will say this is probably the must game, uh, must watch game of the week as far as just I am looking forward to seeing a physical, uh, fun matchup here. On the on the Steelers offense, you know, you're looking at the emergence of Chase Claypool, who is so much fun to watch because he is such a dynamic athlete. And he's one of many targets for the Steelers who are very dynamic. You have the so far underachieving Deontay Johnson. You got Juju Smith Schuster over there, James Washington, Eric Ebron, James Conner. We can go on and on. And Big Ben is getting these guys the ball. So the Titans defense, I think they're very underrated. I think they're very good. Um, but I think they're also going to have their hands full. So this is going to be a really good game. And to be honest, flip a coin. Uh, now, I've, I've got I've to call a, a victor here. So I'm going to go Steelers 29, Tennessee 27. So I'm calling for the Steelers to win this one. I'm calling Tennessee to cover that two and a half point spread. Uh, but fair warning, this one could go either way, especially if Derrick Henry controls the game on the ground. You know, if Derrick Henry was going up against the Dallas Cowboys, he would be assured to go off. Um, Dallas's defense is terrible, and Dallas this week is at the Washington Football Club. The Washington Football Club has been very inconsistent. Um, they made a move that I've been very, very cynical about, I guess you would say, in their benching of Dwayne Haskins, and they brought out Kyle Allen, then Kyle Allen got injured, and then it's Alex Smith after that, and then Kyle Allen comes back, and Allen is supposed to be a game manager. He's supposed to be the kind of guy that can take care of the ball. And that's wonderful. That's great if he can take care of the ball. Unfortunately, against the New York Giants last week, he was unable to take good care of the ball, and that cost them the game. They're not playing the Giants this week. They're playing the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are a team that has a horrible defense. They're, they're incapable of stopping a team um, with game on the line. They have a half-decent pass rush, and that is the only thing they have going as far as their rushing defense or their uh, defense of the pass. And on offense, they're a team with weapons, but Andy Dalton can't get those weapons the ball. Their offensive line is in shambles. And Coach Mike McCarthy has done a horrible job of getting this team on the same page. What they need to do is they need to feed Ezekiel Elliott the ball, and they need to try to slow the game down and keep their defense off the field. McCarthy has no idea how to do that. And so I really think the Washington Football Club is in a prime position. If Kyle Allen can play less stupid, Washington can win this game. Uh, Dallas is just awful, and they're playing on short rest. And, you know, I, I don't like either of these teams. I don't like the direction that either of these teams is going. But when you're looking at Washington matching up with Dallas, you're seeing Terry McLaurin out on the edge. Who, who does Dallas have to stop Terry McLaurin? Um, if Washington decides to try to get the running game going uh, with Antonio Gibson, who does Dallas have to stop Antonio Gibson? On the other side of the ball with that banged up offensive line for Dallas, they're going up against one of the top tier defensive lines in football. Now I understand that sounds crazy because the Washington football team is, they're just not good. And defensively, they're not necessarily good. Um, 
but their defensive line is good. And that will wreck Dallas. That will wreck Andy Dalton. And if McCarthy doesn't call plays in a, you know, McCarthy calls plays in a really predictable fashion. He runs his receivers in really simple routes. I'm beyond frustrated with the way that he goes about doing what he's doing in Dallas. Inept coaches is starting to be a theme of this season. And I think it's going to cost Dallas this game. So Washington is three and a half point underdogs. But I'm taking the Washington football team to beat the Cowboys 17-16 to 16, uh, in Washington. So last week, you saw Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers get out to a 10-0 lead over the Buccaneers. And then what happened? Well, the Buccaneers rattled off 38 straight points. This week, Green Bay is at the Houston Texans. Speaking of inept coaches, Houston has uh, moved on from Bill O'Brien, and they now have Romeo Cornell, who Cornell has a good track record. In fact, interesting note, Cornell was the head coach of that Kansas City team back in 2011 that broke up the Packers' perfect season. So Cornell knows his way around stopping Aaron Rodgers, traditionally speaking, but he hasn't dealt with Matt LaFleur's Packers. Right, That was back to Coach McCarthy's Packers, which we just talked about McCarthy and his ineptness. So what happened to Green Bay last week? One of the primary things was David Bakhtiari went down with an injury, and Aaron Rodgers was under pressure, and then he made bad throws. It's as simple as that. So things snowballed from there, and now a lot of people are feeling like the Packers are terrible. Well, not true. The Packers are not terrible, but David Bakhtiari is a very, very big piece for them. He's a huge piece towards the Packers' road to victory, and he will be here too because they need to be able to stop J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless from rushing off the edge. One way to do that is to run the ball. The Houston Texans have a terrible run defense, a terrible run defense, and Matt LaFleur is going to run the ball down the Texans' throat in this one. Look for Aaron Jones to go off. Look for Jamal Williams to get carries. Look for uh, Coach Matt LaFleur to get rookie A.J. Dillon involved in the running game. He runs hard. That rookie runs hard. So with the running game working, it's going to slow down the pass rush. And that means whether David Bakhtiari is back or not, The Packers are going to go off in this game. Trust me on this one. I I am absolutely 100% confident you are going to see an entirely different Packers squad in this game. You are going to see the squad that put up big points in the first few weeks of the season. Houston does not have the horses to keep Green Bay down. For Deshaun Watson and the Texans offense, they're solid, but... The problem is that David Johnson, their lead back, cannot run the ball. He he just does not have the athleticism that he used to have. He has no juice left in his legs. And so that leaves Watson with a pedestrian offensive line running for his life against Zadarius and Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary and whoever else the Packers have to throw at him. And he's got some good matchups out there, right? Because Will Fuller and, and Kenny Stills, Brandon Cooks, uh, you know, they're, they're good receivers. They have some good receivers on their team. Uh, the problem is Watson won't have time to throw the ball. The running game won't be affected. And 
Jair Alexander will likely take Will Fuller out of the game. So I think Houston will put up a few points, but I'm calling for Green Bay to win this one in convincing fashion. Uh, I'm saying Packers 45, Texans 27. Green Bay only favored by three and a half points in this one, and I think that's an extreme, um, extremely short line of, of what it should be. So yeah, Green Bay 45, Houston 27, locking it in very comfortable to take Green Bay straight up and against the spread in that one. Detroit at Atlanta is our next game. Now, you saw Atlanta uh, do very well last week. Julio Jones back in prime Julio Jones mode. That was good to see. It was honestly, it was fun to see Atlanta, at least for a week, be back to what you pictured Atlanta being at the start of the season. But you have to keep in mind, uh, that game was played against a Vikings team who has given up on the season. They've given up. Um, as if to confirm that, the Vikings shipped away star pass rusher Yannick Ngakwe today to the Baltimore Ravens. So the rich get richer, the poor get poor. We're not talking about the Ravens or the Vikings right now, though. We're talking about the Falcons. Um, the Falcons, you can expect to see them play decently on offense, but to, to get the kind of energy that they summoned against the Vikings and this emotional win against the Vikings, this win for Raheem Mostert and, uh, <laughs> whoops, not Raheem Mostert, Raheem Morris, uh, their new head coach, more on Raheem Mostert later, actually. Um, you know, that's a big deal. But at the same time, they, they expended a lot of energy on that one. Now they got a Detroit club that has played hard through this year and a Detroit Lions team that just took out the Jacksonville Jaguars last week in convincing fashion. Matthew Stafford is rolling. And why is he rolling? Because just like Matt Ryan getting Julio Jones back, Matt Stafford got Kenny Galladay back. And since Galladay has returned, Matthew Stafford and the Lions team is a new team. And last week they discovered, hey, guess what? We picked a guy in the first round who can actually help us, and that's DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift is a game-breaking running back, and he's capable of tearing this one wide open. Now, Atlanta's run defense is pretty good, but Detroit is going to be able to keep them honest uh, with using Swift and Adrian Peterson. And Matthew Stafford is going to sit back in the pocket with very little pressure because Atlanta has struggled to generate pressure. And he's going to find Marvin Jones and he's going to find Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson. So expect to see Stafford put up some points. Uh, Detroit is two and a half point underdogs in this game. I'm taking them against the spread. I'm also taking them as an underdog special. Detroit 30, Atlanta 27. Detroit's going to win this one straight up. Okay. Uh, Cleveland at Cincinnati. Here's two teams that faced off earlier in the season, and you saw Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt run wild on Cincinnati. Cincinnati's run defense was incapable of stopping the Cleveland ground game. Is this game going to be similar? Maybe. Maybe. But keep in mind, Nick Chubb is out. Nick Chubb is on IR. Kareem Hunt can still carry that ground game. I have no question about that. But Wyatt Teller, uh, the Cleveland star guard is also out. Um, on Cincinnati's side of the ball, yeah, they have injuries and they've had a hard time stopping the run. So no doubt about it, Cleveland, Kevin Stefanski is going to come out and run the ball. 
he is going to double down on that, especially because Baker Mayfield is hurt. And that's clear. It's clear that that he was too hurt to be playing against the Steelers last Sunday and Cleveland got blown out. Is he better this week? I don't know. And that's what makes this game really tough to calculate because if Mayfield is 100%, I feel confident about the Browns. Um, If he's not 100%, Uh, this becomes a really dicey situation. Cincinnati offensively is really settling into his own. In that last Cleveland-Cincinnati matchup, you saw Burrow air it out like 60 times, and he was good, but made a few mistakes, and you know he was he was very uh, inexperienced at that point. And I know this is just a few weeks later, but Burrow has gained some experience, and he's began to lean heavily on his star wide receiver, his new wide receiver, T. Higgins. Higgins and Boyd is such a better combination than Green and Boyd. So, you know, and not that A.J. Green has been completely phased out because he's still being used by Cincinnati, but T. Higgins is where it's at. That's the future. Higgins and Burrow are a beautiful combination, and I think you'll see them go off. I think that that Cincinnati will put up some good points. Burrow is learning how to use Joe Mixon in the passing game, and and they're looking good offensively. But in my view, if Mayfield is healthy, you're going to see a very similar game play out to the last time we saw these two teams play. Um, The ground game for Cleveland is going to establish early on. Cleveland's going to have that play-action pass game going anytime they want it. And Mayfield will probably ding a few dimes to Landry or Odell as the game goes on, and they'll put him away. Uh, Cincinnati's three and a half point underdogs in this one, so I'm taking the Browns 30 to 27 to beat the Bengals in this one. But that means I'm taking the Bengals against the spread, so I think they'll keep it close. Um, Seattle at Arizona, two teams uh, from the NFC West that I think are, are playoff contenders. They're, they're definitely going to be in the playoffs. I think both of these teams are, are playoff teams and teams that could go deep into the playoffs. Arizona's rediscovering their mojo. Now, part of that is that they've had some, some pretty favorable matchups recently. Um, but this one could be a favorable matchup. But a lot of it, again, so much comes down to injuries. A lot of it depends on the health of Jamal Adams. How's he doing? I don't know. Okay, so if Jamal Adams suits up, this is a different game. And yet, um, I I still think you're looking at Russell Wilson playing out of his mind still and against a team in Arizona that has a limited defense. So, you know, Wilson's just playing pitch and catch with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And while, hey, Patrick Peterson, very good cover guy, maybe he kind of follows DK Metcalf, okay? But, but that just means that Tyler Lockett's going to go off. And that just means that Russell Wilson's going to use his legs uh, to get first downs. And that just means that David Moore is going to go off because this is more about Russell Wilson being elite than it is just about DK Metcalf being great. Um, so Seattle's three and a half point favorites. I, I do see, you know, Arizona's offense is going to get something done with or without uh, Jamal Adams playing in the game for Seattle. Because Kyler Murray's brilliant with his legs, and he's got that great connection with DeAndre Hopkins, and it looks like Kenyon Drake is finally playing the way that we know Kenyon Drake can play, and yet I just think the Seattle team is going to be too much for them to keep up with. 
Uh, Wilson is slinging it, and he's going to keep slinging it. So I'm going Seattle 28, Arizona 24. Uh, Seattle's three and a half point favorites, according to ESPN's Pigskin Pick'em. So I'm definitely going to take Seattle uh, to win in this one and against the spread. This takes me to a very confusing game. I'm I honestly this this game is probably the most confusing game of the week for me. San Francisco at New England. San Francisco has been two different teams this year. Maybe they've been more different teams than that because you've seen San Francisco look really really good. You saw them get depleted by injuries, then you saw them bounce back last week against the Rams. Who is this team? I don't know. I'm having a really difficult time trying to figure out the identity of the San Francisco 49ers. Now, personally, I think they're probably somewhere in the middle of the pack. I think you, you've seen injuries take them out to a degree that, um, yeah, obviously they're not as elite as they were last year. Jimmy Garoppolo is still not a good quarterback. <laughs> he is still not an upper echelon quarterback in the NFL. Kyle Shanahan's scheme is great, and that can get a lot accomplished. George Kittle is a great tight end. They have a lot going on there um, that, that can really give them a boost when they need it. But Garoppolo is not great, and here is the little X factor to this game. The little X factor is, who knows Jimmy Garoppolo's weaknesses best? And I would argue the person that might know his weaknesses the best is his old ball coach, Bill Belichick, the man who traded him. So with that in mind, Belichick is scheming against Shanahan. Oh, I, I live for these kind of matchups <laughs> because... The way that Belichick chooses to attack an offense is so interesting. And obviously, he's going to try to take away Kittle. And that's something that New England has had great success with. They actually did a good job even shutting down uh, Travis Kelsey a while back. So New England's had some success with that. I do think San Francisco's offense is going to be limited. I think Jimmy G is flawed, and I think Belichick will find those flaws. Um, And then you're looking over at... New England side of the ball. And this team is a conundrum as well. And why are they such a conundrum? Because week to week, their identity is different. Josh McDaniels is doing a brilliant job so far this year of changing their identity week to week. One week, it's Damian Harris running for 100 yards. One week, it's Julian Edelman dominating through the air. One week, uh, they're using uh, Cam Newton as a power back a la John Riggins. Uh, One week, they're letting Newton just sling the ball all over the yard. So, It's a different team week to week offensively. Last week, they were down four offensive linemen uh, because of COVID and because of other injuries and an injury that happened in game. So that's a huge factor here. If New England's offensive front is not healthy, if people aren't back uh, for this game, that is an enormous blow uh, to New England. Why? Because San Francisco's defensive line is still talented. They might get D Ford back. Kerry Hyder's been playing at a great level. They've got a nice uh, rush from the inside. So uh, yeah, Javon Kinlaw, uh, you know, these ones. So, you know, San Francisco is still a dangerous team. And if New England is missing those key offensive line pieces, they're going to have a difficult time running the ball with the kind of dominance we're accustomed to seeing New England run the ball with. So I think you're going to see a low scoring game. Uh, San Francisco's defensive backs really rebounded well last week. Jason Verrett uh, looking very good. 
And even with Richard Sherman out for the year, it does, it does look like they've stabilized. So I think you're going to see a low-scoring game. I think Belichick is just crafty enough to pull this thing out. I'm really looking forward to watching this one. I'm going New England 20, San Francisco 19. So San Francisco's two and a half point underdogs, and I'm taking them to cover in this scenario. But I'm taking New England to win it straight up. Uh, let's talk about that Denver team that took New England out last week. Uh, Denver's defense is solid. And they, they, they played very well against New England. Drew Locke played good enough to win. And Locke is a quarterback that, you know, John, John Elway trusts him with the future uh, there in Denver. And, and he's played well. And, you know, this week, hey, um, Kansas City at Denver, uh, finally, <laughs> it'll be uh, Jerry Judy matched up with Bashad Breland instead of matched up with Stephon Gilmore. Um, you know, potentially, they might have their tight end Noah Fant back. So that's a big deal. Um, some good things. Uh, as far as this Denver team, but but they are going up against a powerhouse in the Kansas City Chiefs. You saw the Chiefs destroy the very talented, very good Buffalo Bills last Monday, and Patrick Mahomes, while he hasn't looked like old school 2018 Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is still having an MVP-esque campaign. So... You know, Denver's defense, they, they did a good job with Cam Newton and a depleted New England offensive line. So, you know, good for them. But this is this Kansas City team is a whole different story. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, looked electric against Buffalo, and I think you'll continue to see that against Denver. What is Le'Veon Bell's role in this Kansas City offense? Can't wait to find out. I'm not sure. I think you're going to see him be a red zone presence. I think that's a big part of what you're going to see Le'Veon Bell do. I think you're going to see him used in the passing game a lot, maybe as a third down back and, and see Edward Zilaire continue to fill that, that primary role. Maybe they're alternate drives. I don't know, but this is just another weapon for an unbelievably good Kansas City offense. And I don't care how good Denver's defense looked against New England. This is a Kansas City offense that's going to go off. So uh, I'm taking Kansas City to win this one comfortably. I'm saying Kansas City 38, Denver 16. Uh, Kansas City's defense remains underrated, and so I think they'll hold Denver back as well. Uh, Kansas City's favored in this one by 8.5. Um, I'm comfortable taking uh, those 8.5 points and, and saying Kansas City goes in for the blowout with a 38-16 win. Um Jacksonville at Los Angeles Chargers. That's our next game. And the Chargers are an interesting team. We came into the season thinking that this was Tyrod Taylor's team. And we were just going to kind of gut out a season and see how it went. And, you know, kind of just have a a very talented offense that was a little limited by their quarterback and and just kind of see how that went. And instead, this team got taken over by rookie signal caller Justin Herbert. Herbert has been a quarterback that looks like he is solidifying himself to be one of the top quarterbacks moving forward uh, for for as far as we can tell in the future. Now, the Chargers offense is stacked. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, um, even, you know, they're running back. I know Austin Eckler got hurt, but Joshua Kelly uh, playing well, Hunter Henry, and a solid offensive line. 
So the Chargers are looking really, really good. And specifically, it almost doesn't matter who you put around Justin Herbert. Herbert is having a ton of success. He is confident and he is slinging it. And I know this is a lot of compliments for a team that overall hasn't played well this year, but you can really rely on that offense. Uh, Jacksonville on offense, um, Gardner Minshew has his moments. I'm a Gardner Minshew fan, and I'm a James Robinson fan, and I'm a DJ Chark fan. I like Jacksonville's offense, but they've been inconsistent. You you, you know, even somebody like me who loves this Jacksonville offense you have to acknowledge they haven't been that consistent. Chargers defense can play you tough. Uh, you know, they, they have a decent pass rush. They have some solid DBs and they can shut you down a little bit. So I think Jacksonville will be limited. Jacksonville's defense is not going to stop the Chargers. They're just not. Uh, Jacksonville's defense has been embarrassed over and over this year and the Chargers on offense with Justin Herbert have consistently put up a ton of points. So I'm taking the Chargers to win this one 37-24 over the Jaguars, and the Chargers are 8.5-point favorites. I'm good with that, so we're taking uh, Los Angeles to cover and to win straight up. Tampa Bay at Las Vegas. Now, we referred to this earlier, you saw Tampa Bay just crush the Packers. And Tampa Bay really looks like they're coming into their own. I mean, that team looks like they are firing on all cylinders. That pass rush is great. Uh, you got Shaq Barrett coming off the edge. Uh, you've got some, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and uh, Ndamukong Sue and all of these great Devin White, uh, Levante David. Th- that team is stacked in their front seven. And their, their secondary played well against Green Bay uh, with the pass rush that they got. So they're, they're a solid team. They're going up against a Raiders team that has been a little underrated. This Raiders team that took out the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, mind you, is capable of doing a lot of things. So Derek Carr has looked really, really good this year. You know, if you're taking this matchup by matchup, and you were looking at the quarterback comparison, I'll take Carr over Brady right now. Derek Carr is playing very, very well. Brady, for for as good as Tampa Bay looked on Sunday against the Packers, um, Brady didn't throw for very many yards. He didn't have to sling the ball all over the yard. I'm saying, yeah, he he looked like he had a good connection with Rob Gronkowski, and I get that. That's great. But, But keep in mind, this Raiders team limited Patrick Mahomes. They got pressure on Mahomes. They can get pressure against the Buccaneers. So I'm looking for the Raiders to get some pressure. Now, I'm not saying they're going to shut down Brady completely, and Ronald Jones in the run game has been looking great. So, you know, I'll spot you that. I get that. And finally, Godwin and Evans are healthy, so that's a good thing for the Buccaneers. And yet again, we're, we're just going to come back to it. The Raiders looked good against the Chiefs. So, so what are the Raiders going to do? The Raiders are going to try to run the ball with Josh Jacobs. They're going to have limited success because, like we mentioned, that front four is stout. But what do the Raiders have going on right now? Nelson Aguilar and Henry Ruggs with speed uh, to, to stretch the field. And then you've got Darren Waller, one of the best tight ends in the game. Darren Waller against the Tampa Bay team that struggled to stop tight ends. 
So, you know, I, I really think this is un, uh, an underrated play right here, right now. Uh, Tampa Bay is getting a little inflated value, probably because of that blowout win over the Packers. And the Raiders are, are a team that John Gruden just has, <laughs> he has them on the right track. I'll say that. I really enjoy the way that he is coaching this team right now. I really enjoy uh, his offensive philosophy and his balanced attack. And I'm taking the Raiders to win this one straight up. We're going Raiders 26, Buccaneers 23, Tampa favored by two and a half. So we're taking Vegas and uh, we're taking them straight up and against the spread. Let's talk Monday night. Chicago, the five and one Chicago Bears at the Los Angeles Rams. Now, the Bears have shocked the world this year, and yet they're still five and a half point underdogs against the Rams. So let's talk about this game. They're, they're five and a half point underdogs. Why? Um, well, because the Rams have a very solid defensive front. Aaron Donald is a monster. We, we mention him just about every week, but the reason we do is because he might be the most important piece to an individual defense in the NFL. Definitely the best individual defensive player in the NFL. And he is almost single-handedly keeping this Rams defense above average. Their linebackers are pedestrian. Uh, the rest of their defensive line outside of like maybe Michael Brockers isn't that great. They, they got Jalen Ramsey out in the secondary, but otherwise their defensive backs aren't that great. And yet the Rams defense is solid. And can Nick Foles uh, really exploit that? Probably not. Foles has played well this year, don't, don't get me wrong, but he's not a guy that's going to go win you games. He's a guy who can, he can make a throw here and there, he can keep you in it, he can game manage, and he can be solid. And I think that's how Matt Nagy is going to have to game plan this one. I think he's going to have to do it with uh, maybe some of those underneath guys, maybe trying to get Jimmy Graham involved, try to run the ball well, try to, you know, a lot of dump off passes to David Montgomery try to exploit the Rams linebackers. I, I, I see those things developing. I can see that. And yet, uh, Aaron Donald is a game wrecker, and he's going to wreck this game for the Bears in a lot of ways. Am I saying that the Bears can't put up points? No, but I'm saying I don't see them putting up many points. On the other side of the ball, I don't see the Rams putting up many points. And, and we've talked on and on about all the weapons the Rams have, and they do. Cooper Cup is great. Robert Woods is great. Everett and Higby are good tight ends. They have three running backs who are very capable in Akers and Brown and Henderson. It's true. Their offensive line has been played pretty solid this year. But Jared Goff is a quarterback who, once he gets a little bit of pressure on him, he turns into Blaine Gabbert. I mean, I'm saying this is a guy, Jared Goff, who can play like an all-pro if he's got a clean pocket, right? But the second he doesn't have a clean pocket... He is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. So against Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack, do you think he's going to have a clean pocket? Because I really don't. And that is going to cause some problems for the Rams. Now, I'm not saying the Rams aren't going to pull out this win because I don't know that the Bears have the firepower to get it either. So I'm taking this one's going to be a defensive match. That's how I'm seeing it. And I'm going to take the Rams to win it. I'm going to say Rams 20, Bears 17. But the Bears being five and a half point underdogs, I will happily take the points, take Chicago and as the underdog here. So again, Rams 20, 
Bears 17. Rams win it straight up. Bears against the spread. Well, that that is it for games we have to pick this week. Just want to talk quickly about some fantasy performers that I think will do better than expected this week. So we'll just take you through that. A couple tight ends that I like this week. Um, You know what? If, If early in the season you had people bail on Gronk, now is the time to buy stock in Gronk because he's looking rejuvenated, he's looking good, and Brady is determined to get him the ball. When it comes to tight ends, it's so important to observe how quarterbacks interact with their tight end. A close relationship between a quarterback and a tight end means that tight end is going to do well because quarterbacks love their tight ends. They help them out with uh, pass protection. They help them out as safety valves. Quarterbacks love their tight ends. Brady loves Gronk. Get on the Gronk train. Um, Speaking of, Robert Tanyan in in Green Bay. Uh, He had an off week and maybe some people bailed on him. Uh, Get him back. (laughs) Go out there and pick up Bob Tanyan because the same thing goes for Tanyan as goes for Gronk. We're looking at young receivers uh, that are going to have a huge impact. Henry Ruggs, if he's still out there in your league, Henry Ruggs is a guy that can stretch the field. He is a guy that, you know, he can score anytime he touches the ball, and that's extremely valuable. And Derek Carr has a good connection with him. T. Higgins, I've been banging this drum for a while, but T. Higgins with a nice matchup against Cleveland, and I think he goes off in this one. I think that, you know, Higgins got like 125 yards last week, and I think you could easily see him do the same thing again this week. Tyler Lockett with Patrick Peterson covering DK Metcalf this week. That leaves Lockett alone out there with second and third cornerbacks. And I think you see Russell Wilson find Tyler Lockett many times this week. Antonio Gibson, weak matchup there against Dallas. And if Washington chooses to run the ball, Gibson will run crazy. Um, See David Montgomery. We just talked about in the past game how they could use David Montgomery. could have a big week if Matt Nagy chooses to game plan that way, which I could definitely see happening. Aaron Jones running the ball against the Houston Texans weak run defense could have a huge week. And then you look at the quarterbacks. You got Stafford going up against a weak Atlanta team. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, two rookie quarterbacks that have played really, really well this year and continue to get better and better. And they both draw favorable matchups this week. So I'm a big fan of both Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow for fantasy purposes this week. Well, that is going to do it. You have been a fantastic audience. Thank you for sticking with me. You have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy football. Relax. Have a good time with that. Just wanted to make a quick note. We're recording this podcast on a Thursday. Uh, I'll throw up my my pick for Thursday Night Football on Twitter, but uh, because, uh, because we're recording this on a Thursday, I'm not doing Thursday Night Football picks on the pod right now, so uh, I'm just going to throw it up on Twitter there. And uh, that's the note about that. You have a fantastic weekend. You've been a wonderful audience. You've been listening to NFL Picks with Gabe Week 7 on Everything Burrito Production. Mm-hmm.